Prudentius becomes tired and weary of the life that he's been living, and he considers that his life has been a waste. We might say he was having a midlife crisis, but to be 57 in that time, he was having like a three-fourths quarter <laughs> crisis. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Impartial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Cara Devereaux. And I'm Monet Funka, and today we're joined by special guest Kevin DeYoung. We will be talking about the less well-known hymn of the Father's Love Begotten. We're going to take a closer look at the long history of this ancient song, how it has been used and adapted over the years, and why we should sing it more. But first, Advent is here. If you're a long-term impartial listener, you know that we love this season. Don't miss out on all the goodies we have in store for you. Subscribe to our channel if you're watching on YouTube and follow us on Instagram where you'll be getting daily, that's right, daily treats as we count down to Christmas. Today we will also be announcing the finalists of our third annual Battle of the Carols. A few more days left on our YouTube and Instagram Hymns of Advent series. Yes, and if you are listening to us for the first time, or for some odd reason you have yet to join the Hempartial family, all of our info can be found at hempartial.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can become a Kofi member and support us financially. This week, subscribers get first access to our bonus clip where we will be discussing medieval chants. But you don't want to miss it, so make sure you go over to hempartial.com so you can be a subscriber today. Yeah, the bonus clip this week, guys. It's so good. In fact, the whole episode was just excellent. I really enjoyed yes. talking with Kevin DeYoung. And um, I loved what he said about like the importance of richness in hymns, not just setting the bar to it's not heretical, so it's fine, yeah. but actually having like a higher standard. Yeah. I just love, too, his enthusiasm for the the lyrics and the depth of this hymn. Mm. Um, I think we say it during the interview, but we hadn't heard of it really before he had mentioned it. And you read through the lyrics, which we will do, and you're just like, wow, this is deep. This is rich. Like this is the kind of hymn you could sink your teeth into and, um, and be satisfied. So uh, yeah, definitely enjoyed this. And I think you guys will be so blessed by what um, Kevin shares during this episode. Yep, I definitely found it encouraging and thought it was a blessing too. So, the Reverend Kevin DeYoung is the senior pastor at Christ Covenant Church PCA in Matthews, North Carolina, and associate professor of systematic theology at Reformed Theological Seminary, Charlotte. He is the author of more than books and a popular columnist, blogger, and podcaster. Kevin and his wife Trisha have nine children. Kevin DeYoung, welcome to the show. Great to be with you. We're very excited. We saw um, a few years back that you had a series of articles on titled Hymns That We Should Sing More, and I loved that series. Um, so when we asked you to come on the show, your suggestion as we approached Advent was a hymn called Of the Father's Love Begotten. So how and where did you first encounter this hymn? Yeah, it is one of my favorites. We just sang it last uh Sunday, one of our Advent services, and uh, I, I'm sure I, I, it seems like I've just known it my whole life. I grew up in the hmm. church and remember it as one of the the many familiar Christmas hymns that we would sing every year. It's it's not just a Christmas 
him or it doesn't have to be, but it, mm-hmm. it's about uh, the Savior's birth. And so it's become slotted in as a Christmas hymn. And uh, there's lots of Christmas hymns. And I love that that you two love to talk about hymns. That's what this is about. And this is one of my favorites. I love the the haunting melody. Maybe we'll talk about that. I love the rich mm-hmm. lyrics to it. And yeah, I I I love the the really meaty theological mm-hmm. hymns. I mean, there's a place for the the Christmas carols that even take some some Christmas liberties. And, and you know, there's always lots of snow for some reason in Israel <laughs> during the, the Christmas hymns. And there's lots of uh, you know, we want to hear about all the the farm animals that are there, but yeah. the ones that give this really meaty, rich theology, I uh, really love. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't super familiar with the hymn before you had mentioned it to us. And so I'm thinking maybe our listeners aren't either. Maybe they're cooler than me. So I'm just going to read the lyrics really quickly um, so that people could know what we're talking about as we kind of dive into it a little bit. So it goes like this. Of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be, he is Alpha and Omega, he the source, the ending he. Of the things that are, that have been, and that future years shall see, evermore and evermore. Oh, that birth forever blessed, when the virgin, full of grace, by the Holy Ghost conceiving, bore the Savior of our race. And the babe, the world's Redeemer, first revealed his sacred face, evermore and evermore. This is he whose seers and sages sang of old with one accord, whom the voices of the prophets promised in their faithful word. Now he shines, the long-expected, let creation praise its Lord evermore and evermore. Let the heights of heaven adore him, angels, hosts, his praises sing, powers, dominions bow before him, and extol our God and King. Let no tongue on earth be silent, every voice in concert ring, evermore and evermore. And the last verse here, Christ to thee with God the Father and O Holy Ghost to thee, hymn and chant and high thanksgiving and unending praises be, honor, glory, and dominion and eternal victory evermore and evermore. That's good, isn't it? It's real good. (laughs) Yeah, it's solid. Yeah, I mean, it's my understanding that this hymn is really, really old. (laughs) Can you tell us just about the history or, you know, who wrote it and how it's developed and been adopted over the years? Sure, yeah, the history is really worth knowing. Uh, Relius Clemens Prudentius wrote the hymn. He was born in Spain in uh, around 350, around AD 350. So you're right, very, very old. Mm -hmm. One of the oldest not the oldest Christmas songs that we sing. Mm-hmm. And he was a magistrate or a judge or official in the, the Roman Empire. Just to give your listeners, just remind you, history, Constantine's conversion, and then the Edict of Milan at the beginning of the 4th century. So uh, he's born in the middle of the 4th century when Christianity in the last generation has gone from persecuted by the Roman Empire to the Roman Emperor now being a Christian to now Christianity having this privileged place mm. in the Roman Empire. So he mm. was trained as a lawyer. 
and he rose to serve in high-ranking places, and he served with uh, Emperor Theodosius, who was a Christian emperor. And around uh, in his mid-50s, 57, at the height of his power and prestige as a very important official in the Roman Empire, working for the emperor himself, Prudentius becomes tired and weary of the life that he's been living, and he considers Mm -hmm. that his life has been a waste. We might say he was having a midlife crisis, but to be 57 in that time, he was having like a three-fourths quarter (laughs) crisis. He was coming to the to the end of his life. He had been yeah. a successful lawyer, judge, civil servant, and yet he felt like, what have I done with my life? Hmm. And I'm not saying that, of course, those are important things, but he had concluded, what have mm-hmm. I done with my life? And so he retired to write hymns and poetry. And so for the last decade of wow. his life, he died around 413, he wrote some of the most beautiful hymns of his day. Throughout the Middle Ages, we don't you know, hear about him except for this hymn. But throughout the Middle Ages, many of his poems were well known. He famously wrote 12 long poems for each of the, the hours of the day during the, you know, as monastic routines started to take root in the church and they would have mm-hmm. certain hours. So the 12 waking hours of the day, he wrote a long poem for each of those, which wow. became foundational for many of the the office hymns of the church, but his best known hymn is this one mm-hmm. in Latin, Corde Natus Ex Parentis, of the Father's Love Begotten. Of course, mm-hmm. we're we're reading it in English, mm-hmm. and he didn't write in English, but it was translated in the 1850s by uh, some some English hymn writers and put it in their hymns, ancient and modern. Uh, edition of hymns, yeah. and then put it to this plain song chant-like melody called mm-hmm. Divinium Mysterium, Divine Mystery. And the, mm-hmm. the hymn tune itself may be, uh, go back as, as far as the 12th century or something like it. So we're singing oh, wow. words that were written in the 4th or uh, maybe the very beginning of the 5th century to a tune, sort of plain song, chant-like tune that goes back to the 12th century and it's really rich. And you read five verses, which is mm-hmm. great. And that's what's in our hymnals, if it's in our hymnals at all. Mm-hmm. The original hymn or poem actually mm-hmm. had nine verses. <laughs> and it tells the story of redemption. So the very first one, which you read, of the Father's mm-hmm. love begotten, ere the worlds began to be, he is Alpha and Omega, he the source, the ending he. So it starts in eternity that the Son is the Father's only begotten son. Mm -hmm. And then it talks about the son as the instrument of creation. That's one of the the verses that doesn't tend to make it in our hymnal. And then uh, goes to talk about his birth to the, uh, by the Virgin and calls upon all these different groups of people to worship him. And then finishes with this song of victory to father, son, and Holy spirit. So it's, Mm. it's very rich. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons you're not the only one, you know, I, as, as I've mentioned this hymn over the years, a lot number of people say, I'm not sure um, that's not as familiar as Hark the Herald or, <laughs> or Joy to the World, yeah. which, which come from, you know, 18th century hymnody or from 19th century hymnody. But this mm-hmm. one, if, if, if anyone listening to this uh, isn't familiar with the hymn, really, really look it up. And yeah. if you're in a position to do so, try to introduce it to your, your church to sing it because it's really well worth knowing. 
Yes, definitely. Yeah. I can't believe it was translated so late after it was originally written. I'm always impressed by what's actually survived, like, you know, in terms of ancient writings and, and what what brings them to our more modern attention. So that's really incredible to me that it Yeah, it I don't know if it so had long. been in... Uh, yeah, I don't know all the history of it. If it had been translated before, it seems like surely it, it must have. But hmm. the... The, the one that we know of is translated by John Mason Neal and Henry Baker mm -hmm. in the 1850s and then included. Yeah. In, and so really maybe only for 150 years that English speakers have been singing this. Yeah. It might be, be thou my vision for the oldest hymn that we've talked about. Ah, yeah. That's right. Be thou my just. Vision very, very old. Only yeah. just. I think they were written around the same time or at least within a century of each other. Yeah. Right. Another oldie but goodie, as they say. <laughs> yes, very, very oldie. Was it Spurgeon that said there's no such thing as new gold? Old gold is the best. Yeah, uh -oh. that's right. Very true. Yeah, it's great as well. I love that there are people out there who are um, finding these things and translating them and bringing them back into our... Um, I don't want to say vocabulary. That's not the right word. But they're bringing them back into our singing like repertoire. repertoire yeah there we go yeah it's good it's good and it's good yeah. to sing ancient songs that other believers have been singing for centuries before us yeah. as well it really is rich we just did this and i had one of my friends in the church text me after the sunday service and said you know the older i get when i get to the end of of the father's love begotten it's hard not to tear up mm -hmm. it's just so mm -hmm. rich and there really is something amazing to think about in some version or another, Christians have been singing this and mm -hmm. have known this this poem and this hymn for over 1,500 years, for 1,600 yeah. years. It's yeah. amazing that we have been, we're a part of this great cloud of witnesses mm -hmm. worshiping the same God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, singing these things together is really, really rich. So thank you two for loving hymns and introducing <laughs> All sorts of good people to these hymns. Yes, we do love hymns, but we tend to particularly like ones that are very grounded in scripture and very solid mm -hmm. theology. Mm -hmm. Talking of which, what kind of Bible verses or passages that this hymn is based on? Could you share those with us? Yeah, that was a, a great question. So lots of them. I mean, the first one that came to mind uh, from Revelation 22, 13, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, mm -hmm. the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Or, uh, so I went to school, I went to seminary in, in Boston. If you know mm -hmm. a Boston accent, the first Sunday I was there, somebody was reading and said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first <laughs> and the last. So, uh, sounds Scottish. But, yes, or Scottish, the Alpha <laughs> and the Omega. But uh, so that would be one uh, Ephesians one with all of the spiritual blessings in Christ. Mm. The, the the refrain there evermore and evermore. I would have to look, you know, in the 1850s when they're translating this, what the Latin was. I hear echoes of, uh, you know, Edgar Allan Poe's famous I was poem. thinking that, but I didn't want to be unspiritual and you say know, it reminds quote, me of Nevermore. Quote the Raven, Nevermore, yes. which, uh, another 19th century. So I don't know if mm -hmm. the, the English translators, it's just a popular word back then, but it does have that, that ring to it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, then Matthew 1, of course, Jesus' birth there foretold to Mary, the virgin, she shall bear son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he saveth people from their sins. So that's the verse that talks about he's the world's redeemer, or the verse of the hymn, this is he whom seers and sages sang of old with one accord, whom the voices of the prophets promise in their faithful word. First Peter 1 Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the very last verse, which is a hymn to our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, any number mm-hmm. of of passages from the great commission to many of these triadic patterns in the book of Ephesians. So maybe being a, a theological guy and I, I teach at, at our seminary here in town, systematic theology, but I'm particularly, I, I love when good hymns are helping to give us Trinitarian mm. expression yes. to our faith. Mm. And uh, so much of the Bible, once we have eyes to see it is patterned on these triadic patterns and to be given voice to sing father son and holy spirit is really important for the church especially at christmas you know when we're focusing on one person of the trinity to have this praise to the godhead at the end of this uh, at the end of this hymn is a good kind of tying it all together like it's this day we're think or this advent season we're thinking about jesus um, and Jesus is God, and God is three persons. Um, so I think that's really lovely to have that connection. We actually had a guy on last year, early this year, I can't remember what year we're in, um, talking specifically about Trinitarian hymns. And I kind mm-hmm. of was skeptical, saying, oh, there's not that many that kind of speak to um, the Trinity. But I was surprised and humbled that there are loads of hymns that talk about um about God in this way. And, and I think it's great that this Christmas hymn or this Advent hymn could be um, in that category as well. Yeah. And, and and like you said, it's really important. There, there's nothing wrong with, of course, focusing on one person yeah. of the Trinity and, and Advent season is about the, the birth of Christ. But we don't want to think that, you know, the father sort of wasn't doing anything and the spirit <laughs> yeah. was sort of just behind the curtain, just waiting for <laughs> Pentecost to happen. So put me in coach, I'm ready to do something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a theological term called inseparable operations, which means that mm. every external act that the triune God does, he does as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now that doesn't mean the Father became incarnate or the Spirit became incarnate. Not only the Son became incarnate, but it means mm. that even in that even in the incarnation that we celebrate, the Father and the Spirit are are working. So the Father is the one who's sending the Son. How often in the Gospels does Jesus emphasize that I'm the one who is sent? So it's not just it's not just a birth that happens. Mm-hmm. It's very intentionally a triune act that the God the Father is sending the Son into the world, and throughout the Son's Every point of the son's ministry, uh, he's he's anointed by and empowered by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit overwhelms the Virgin Mary so that he is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then the Spirit is there 
announcing who he is and descending upon him at his baptism and accompanies him in the wilderness and the temptations at every step of the way, the, the spirit is at work so that the spirit is always the spirit of Christ and the spirit of the father and the son. Mm-hmm. And it's really rich to see that what we're celebrating at Christmas is of course the birth of our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is not in any way separate from the total work that our triune God is doing to save his people. Amen. Amen. There you go. Um, many, many, many theology lesson at Christmas. I well, that's love good. it. Like, I love it's it. great. It's great when songs teach you good theology because songs oh, yeah. stick with you. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of songs out there that have subpar or, or as we would say, rubbish theology. <laughs> yeah, they do. And, and, and that's why it's so good that you're wanting to reintroduce or remind us of these great hymns. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the songs that we sing, you're right, that's what stick with people. Mm-hmm. And we need to think of the music in the church. It's not entertainment. It's not just warm up for the sermon. It's part of the, the teaching and discipleship ministry of the mm-hmm. church. And so we should be mm-hmm. asking if, if, if for 20 years, if you were in our church for 20 years, what would you know about God from the hymns and the songs that mm. you're singing? Whether they're old or new, we have we have lots of new stuff at our church too. Yeah. But we we need to not just have the lowest bar that says, well, is there no heresy? Okay, mm. it's heresy free, <laughs> so let's sing it. No, we need to do, yeah. do better than that. We need to be thinking yeah. about the totality of the church's musical instruction are yeah. people learning all sorts of uh, a well-rounded, the whole counsel of God and the best of these hymns contribute to that? Well, I think you've kind of answered the next question throughout this episode, but just in case someone is not convinced, what is your plea to them as to why we should sing this hymn more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's going to... It's going to teach you some things. And one of the, sometimes I've heard people complain about this hymn. That it's hard to understand. There's a lot, there's a lot going on in this hymn. And, and sometimes with the, the, the plain song chanting, it's not always kind of style. It's not the easiest to sing, but it's well worth the effort because uh, sing it once, maybe the first time you're, okay, I'm trying to track with everything that's going on here but sing it more and more and the truths are going to sink deep and they're going to be not just intellectually stimulating, but affecting. And one of the, just, you know, my last plea here, the the very title of the father's love begotten. Now I I won't take up all, uh, you know, the time here, but there's a, there's, you know, mountains of theology behind that, word or phrase there, the Mm -hmm. only begotten Mm -hmm. and the early church. And in particular, in the century in which Prudentius, the author of this hymn was born, was really wrestling with what does it mean? How do we describe the son as from the father? He's not the father, but he's equally God with the father. But how do we express this relationship of a son to a father? Well, a son to a, a father you know, comes from a father. He's he's begotten of a father, and yet this is not like other, this is not like earthly begetting. 
he's begotten, not created. Mm-hmm. And that's what one of the other Christmas is, O Come All Ye Faithful, has mm-hmm. that line too, begotten, not created. Mm-hmm. So this, even in that that opening line in the title, of the Father's love begotten. So there, the love of God, God so loved the world, he sent his son. So it's describing the son coming into the world as not only the birth of the incarnate God-man, but God's own love being birthed into the world. And that the son of the father is every bit as much God equal in rank, authority, majesty, essence with the father, but he's not the father. He's Mm -hmm. begotten of the father, not in time, not some moment where congratulations, Trinity, father, you had a son and every balloons. No, this didn't happen (laughs) in time. There never was when the father was not the father to the son and the son was not son to the father uh, in eternity without time, apart from time, this eternal begetting. So there's lots of really rich theology that I think we often miss if we just say Christmas is happy birthday to Jesus. Yeah. Well, I understand there's there's an element of truth to that. But if that's all we think about Christmas, just this person named Jesus who was born, well, it, you're, you're missing out what our salvation is really about. And it's mm-hmm. the, the only begotten son of the father, assuming uh, a human nature, taking on human flesh, being born into the world that he might save us from our sins. So sing to him. Yes. Yes. And if you guys are listening and you haven't heard this, we will have a link of a version of this in the description. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for your time. We're going to have you stick around for a bonus question, but guys, Definitely listen to this hymn. Where's the best place folks could follow you online? Uh, if they go to kevindeyoung.org, that's a website that just has, I just try to put all my resources there. Yeah. And uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter or just, just go to kevindeyoung.org. Mm-hmm. Probably be the best place to direct you to various things that I'm doing, sermons and articles, etc. We'll have a link to that in the description as well. Great. Well, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.